You are listening to the podcasts of Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. My name is Kent, and I'm thrilled to be part of a congregation that is committed to making disciples who um, love, belong, and serve. And we do this because we were once people who were unlovable, and God loved us. And we were once people who were far off and strangers and aliens and foreigners, and God made us belong to his family. And we were people who uh, were really not worth serving, and God chose to serve us while we were still sinners by sending Jesus. And so because of this, we share this with others. And uh, this is what we want to continue today by this series in the book of Ephesians. We're looking at our identity in Christ and then how that shapes our behavior. And we're making that little shift today from the first three chapters, which are really big picture identity verses, to the verses that start talking about, so live this way. So I'd like you to take your Bible, if you have it, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to read the first six verses today, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And before I read these words, I want to offer this prayer to you. The Lord be with you. Ephesians 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is God's Word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. I'm going to start by playing a quick game with you all this morning, and uh, if there's some kids present, you may be able to help the old folks in your uh, home figure some of this out. The game is troll or not a troll, okay? I'm going to show you some pictures, and you have to decide whether this is a troll or not a troll. Okay, let's see if I got this working. Okay, that's troll or not a troll. Okay, now I don't know what to do because my picture started in the middle. Can I go back to the first one? My tech guys are scrambling up there, working. Okay, troll or not a troll? Yeah, that's a troll. That's a naked troll, okay? And then the second one was troll or not a troll. We know that's an ogre, right, which is a giant. This ogre has a name, which is Shrek. Okay, you know that one. Okay, the next one, troll or not a troll? That's a troll. Okay, troll or not a troll? Not a troll. That's a gnome. Okay, now, but look closely at this statue. It's somebody we know. Dave Hansen, yeah, this is what Santa Claus does in the summertime when he's not being Santa. So there you go, troll or gnome, Dave, okay. Troll or not a troll? Troll, okay, this is a different kind of troll. This is the kind of troll I want to talk about for a few moments. This is the kind of troll that goes on the internet or on social media and creates conflict. Their purpose is to cause division, And they actually post inflammatory or off-topic comments to try to instigate people and and egg them on to to urge them to do this. And that's called trolling. Trolling creates friction by starting arguments and making people angry. Trolls try to disrupt and divide. That's the troll's purpose. Now, sometimes trolls do this purposely 
And it's kind of like um, throwing gas on a fire. They actually have a term for that, gaslighting. They try to like stoke the flames, poke at people to get them really worked up. Sometimes people are trolls and they do trolling uh, because they're careless. They just haven't thought through all of the things that they want to say. And so their interactions turn them into a troll. And I'm pretty sure that some people actually become trolls by accident. They're completely unaware that their words or ideas might work somebody into a frenzy. Uh, they don't know about the impact of their um, words. I want to think about trolling today and uh, recognize uh, trolling broadly. And any time we do something that is divisive or creates anger in somebody else, and the theme of my message today is really straightforward. I'm going to put all the cards on the deck right away. Um, the main theme of my message is don't be a troll, okay? And there's a key verse for this, and it's Ephesians 4, 3, which we'll have up here too for you. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. So my paraphrase for this little verse is, don't be a troll, okay? Now, it might be good for us to note on this memorial weekend that one of the oldest mottos of our country is the motto, E Pluribus Unum. Another quiz, anybody, what E Pluribus Unum means? Out of many, one. And the original context for this was the 13 colonies, 13 diverse colonies, wanting to become one nation, E Pluribus Unum. And then later, it became kind of a motto that was representative of a country made up of diverse people who are being formed into one people. Kind of the melting pot idea that we're taking people from all over the world, we're melting them into one people, the American people, e pluribus unum. Now, this motto could also apply to these verses in Ephesians 4. One of many, one. A wide variety of people with diverse gifts and interests become one church. Many parts, one body. Many children, one family. Persons from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation, one church. Out of many, one. E pluribus unum. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We are one and we are many, and it seems to me that it's the many part that tends to work against unity. The diversity makes it sometimes elusive to be united. Now, we all know that we live in a world with countless groups that are called special interest groups. And special interest groups are designed so that I get my way. I have my cause. I have my special interest and often pursue that disregarding the interests of anyone else. We have diverse backgrounds and personalities and values and talents and opinions, and that diversity can turn us into trolls. It can leave us being divisive, even when we have no intention of trolling. The norm in our culture is to stake out our ground, to have our opinion, and then to defend it. 
to hold firm and not listen so well to anyone else's opinion. Particularly online, this is common. We find justification for the views that we hold, and then we repeat those justifications over and over and over again to anyone who will listen, and with greater and greater intensity to try to get you to see it my way. David Brooks, who writes, I think, great editorials, wrote a recent editorial about the division he sees in our country, and he, he made this interesting note. He says, online is the place where partisans go to be partisan. It seems like it's almost the purpose of social media and online interaction is to, like, make your case. And then the Bible gives us verses like Ephesians 4.3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Paul is urging us in this passage to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received so that as God's adopted children, his sons and daughters, we are called to enhance our oneness, to make oneness important. And we're told exactly how to do this. I'm going to give three suggestions from these verses about how to stop being a troll. Three suggestions for ways to walk in unity, and they're these. Walk with lowliness, walk with gentleness, and walk with forbearance. And just for the record, the call to walk this way is a lot more than a a pep talk or a motivational speech where I'm going to try to like talk you into this so that you can work up something within you so that you work harder to bring about unity, so that we can be kinder and gentler and more agreeable people. No, walking with lowliness and gentleness and forbearance is possible because of who we are. It's possible because of our identity. Now go back to Ephesians 1 through 3 and read all these things that God has already accomplished. Read our identity, who we are in Christ. We see that God brought all things together in Jesus. We see that God reconciled both Jews and Gentiles through the cross of Jesus. We see that God broke down the dividing wall of hostility. God reconciles us by the power of His Spirit. God saves us by grace, not by works. God makes us one so... We can walk with lowliness, gentleness, and forbearance. God did not just save us from our sins, and that was it. God is also continuing to save us, to transform us and make us new, more and more like Jesus. God, and God is also saving us so that one day we will be completely perfect. He'll continue the good work that He started until it's finished. And so we respond to this saving work of God by making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so we walk in lowliness, gentleness, and forbearance. Now, one of the commentators I was reading this week insisted that we can't overstate how important keeping the unity is. That the Apostle Paul, when he writes about these things, writes as though he just expects everyone who's a follower of Jesus, to enhance the church's unity and to make it more visible to the entire world. And for Paul, this unity comes primarily out of the very nature of who God is. It's based on God's triune nature, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. And there can only be one body because there is one Spirit, one Lord, and one Father. There can be one church only because one spirit, 
one Lord and one Father hold everything together as one. So Christian unity isn't found in the fact that all Christians believe exactly the same things. This unity is not based on the fact that we are all worshiping in exactly the same way. It's not based on the, same, on the fact that we have the same opinions. It's not based on the fact that we have the same politics. It's not even based on the fact that we might have the same values. It's based on the fact that we belong to one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That makes us one. Diversity of beliefs and practices does not destroy this unity because this unity is more about who God is than who we are. This is not about uniformity. It's about being one in God. But these differences lead us to the importance of walking with lowliness, gentleness, and forbearance. It's because we can be so different that we need to walk this way. Now, there are probably a lot of different ways to describe this walking. I specifically chose these three words because they came up out of the passage we read and because they're anti-troll words. The troll is headstrong, not lowly. The troll is harsh, not gentle. The troll is intolerant, not forbearing. Now, maybe your translation used some other terms to translate these ways of walking. Humble, kind, patient, meek, loving, forgiving. These are all great descriptions of this walk. The Bible actually offers a lot of different adjectives to describe this walk. Um, I'm going to read a few more passages that talk about how to keep the unity of the Spirit. What does that walk look like? This is from Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking each other. There's another verse you could paraphrase as, don't be a troll. Can we troll while keeping in in step with the Spirit? Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Philippians 2. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the other. These themes of lowliness and gentleness and forbearance come out, and I just can't help but wonder, what would the world think if we lived in humility, valuing the other more than ourselves? 
if we did not look to our own interests, but look to the interests of others. These themes may even sound odd or at least countercultural in our world because we're so polarized. We're not used to thinking this way. I think I'm even sometimes in danger of becoming a troll because I want to make my case. One uh, source of encouragement for me this week was a blog post, and it was entitled, Church, Don't Let Coronavirus Divide You. And I sent it out to some of our leaders. I really like this essay. It was by Brett McCracken. He talked about the need for some countercultural behavior. He said we need countercultural sacrifice, patience, and humility. In the face of unprecedented uncertainty, he asked this question. Have you noticed how remarkably confident so many of us are in our views right now? And then he suggests, I quote, we could all use a bit more humility and the church should lead the way. He also called for countercultural nuance, and I really thought he was onto something great here because we live in an age that's so unnuanced. People see things black and white, there's no grays, there's no middle ground. We stake out our ground and we hold it. He said Christians should hold humble, complicated, both-and views in today's hyper-partisan worlds. I wonder what difference that could make in our current culture if we were people who were a little more nuanced in our thinking, a little more humble in our presentations. Would that go a long way toward building bridges and preserving or even enhancing unity? And not just online. I saw some nuanced humility in an interesting place this week. I was reading about the baseball, and uh, the sports writer Brett Taylor, who covers the Chicago Cubs, was talking about the reopening of Major League Baseball. And this is the way he started his blog about baseball. I thought this was interesting. He says, One of the things that makes talking about the pandemic so difficult is that because of the huge volume of unknowns, you can pretty much find news and data to make you feel any kind of way you want to feel. Want to feel positive and hopeful? There are trends and heartwarming stories for that. Want to feel worried and angry? There are decisions and research for that. I have to keep reminding myself of this reality so that I don't let myself go too far down wormholes in one direction or the other. Now, there's some nuance there and some humility, recognizing we haven't got it all figured out. If we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit... Will we be a little more careful in staking our ground with each other and maybe with our neighbors in the world? If we were completely humble and gentle, patient and forbearance, would the world notice? If we walked with lowliness and gentleness and forbearance, would the world notice? Trolls are monsters, you know, and they lurk in the dark and they agitate for the purpose of creating conflict, not unity. They don't care about other people. It seems like in our current culture, in our current moment, there's lots of ways to lurk in the dark and troll I saw an interesting thing this morning from the governor of North Dakota, and he had a tearful news conference. You don't see those very often from our government officials, but he was choked up 
about the fighting over the wearing of face masks. And he was pleading with the citizens of North Dakota to say, can you have a little humility and a little patience, a little forbearance, a little meekness? And if someone's wearing a mask, don't shame them for wearing a mask. And if someone's not wearing a mask, don't shame them for not wearing a mask. And that made me wonder if we could lead the way in this current moment with humility and forbearance and love, caring for each other. There was another passage that caught my attention this week, and it's another Bible story about a troll. I didn't realize there were so many. And it's actually a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. And in this story, Jesus is talking about lowliness and gentleness and forbearance. And as he's describing this troll, it made me recognize that if we're going to be these kind of people and walk this way, it's going to start with us taking a good look at our own hearts. Here's the story about the troll. Luke 18, verse 9. Jesus also told this parable to some people who were overconfident in their own righteousness, and so they treated other people with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a troll, the other, a tax collector. The troll, standing by himself, prayed like this, God, I thank you that I am not like other people on the internet, extortioners and unjust and adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, and I am right in all my opinions. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. In humility, he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Don't be a troll. Walk with lowliness, gentleness, and forbearance. Lord God, I thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, God, that your spirit is here to stir up within us and accomplish the good work that you desire to accomplish. And so we surrender ourselves to your spirit. Have your way, God. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Jesus, in us. And we will thank you for making us one. Amen. We pray you were blessed by today's message from Cedar Hills Community Church. For more information about our church or how to support our ministry, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.